you should love him even double. Because in our own strength, we couldn't love him in the first place. But because he loved us, we can love him. He has demonstrated his love for us through Jesus Christ, his son. Amen. Amen. Let's give the Lord a hand clap of praise to our, our praise team for leading us this morning as we worship our most high God. Amen. Amen. If you would this morning, turn with me in your Bibles or on your devices to 1 Timothy, the fourth chapter. 1 Timothy, the fourth chapter. We'll be looking at various scriptures this morning, but I'd like for us to start right here. And as you do, I'd like to say welcome to all of our guests and visitors, to our brothers and sisters in Christ, to this church gathered at Forest Baptist. It's good to see you, to see the demonstration of love. As we look upon one another, that's a demonstration of love that God brought you out one more time. One more day's journey. He allows you to be here. First Timothy, the fourth chapter. If you would please stand on the reading of God's word. I'll be reading verses one through ten. This is the lovely, the glorious, the marvelous, miraculous, beautiful and bountiful, inerrant, infallible, sufficient, authoritative word of God. Please hear the voice of Christ. Now the Spirit expressly says that in latter times, some will depart from the faith by devoting themselves to deceitful spirits and teachings of demons through the insincerity of liars whose consciences are seared, who forbid marriage and require abstinence from foods that God created to be received with thanksgiving by those who believe and know the truth. For everything for everything created by God is good and nothing is to be rejected if it is received with thanksgiving. For it is made holy by the word of God and prayer. If you put these things before the brothers, you will be a good servant of Christ Jesus. Being trained in the words of the faith and of the good doctrine that you have followed, have nothing to do with irreverent silly myths. Rather, train yourself for godliness. For while bodily training is of some value, godliness is of value in every way as it holds promise for the present life and also for the life to come. The saying is trustworthy and deserving of full acceptance. For to this end we toil and strive because we have our hope set on the living God who is the Savior of all people, especially of those who believe. 
May the Lord add a blessing to the reading of his word. You may be seated. Just want to place a tag upon a text before us this morning. A gift of discipline. A gift of discipline. Let us pray. Lord, we do love you. We worship and adore you. Thank you for the love that you have, 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 have bathed us with. You have lavished your love upon us, most prominently through Jesus the Christ. And Father, thank you for the abiding love we have and the indwelling of your Holy Spirit for those who have repented and trusted in you. And Father, as we approach your word this morning, may we do so with great humility and dependence upon you. We ask that you would pour out your Holy Spirit upon us, that you would give us eyes to see and ears to hear, that this would not just be another sermon on just another Sunday, day, uh, Sunday morning. Father, I beg that you would help us to get past religion and enter into a genuine relationship with you. Father, help us to move past wondering what you're going to do for us next and move toward how can we praise and adore you with our lips and our lives. Father, please forgive us for our sin, for how we fall short on a daily basis. Father, forgive us for our attitudes this morning. Forgive us for coming into worship cold and not thinking of you, but thinking of ourselves and what we got to do. Father, you are worthy of our affections. You are worthy of our attention. So, Father, I ask that your spirit will come and your Shekinah glory would fall and we would experience your power in this worship service. Lord, not only emotionally, but intellectually, teach us some things today, dear God. Teach us some things about you, and please teach us a whole lot about ourselves. Father, may we be broken right now, that you may use us for your glory, for your purposes. Lord, thank you for the songs that have been sung and the, and the preparation of our hearts. And I ask right now, dear God, that you take my foolish and weak words and you allow the power of Christ to rest upon me. Hide me behind your cross. That my words may make much of Christ Jesus. Father, we do love you and thank you. In Jesus' precious holy name, we do pray. Hallelujah and amen. Well, brothers and sisters, we have entered into the season uh, of our annual fast here at Forest Baptist Church. Each year we take the 21 days leading up to Good Friday, and enter into a season of uh, reflection, a season of repentance, and a, and a season of revival. This is an opportunity for us to, to corporately come together and seek the face of God. And I don't want us to take it lightly, like it's just something we do every year. We have to move past religion. 
But God has given us glorious gifts to seek him, to pursue him, desiring that he would give us wisdom and he would give us direction. And that is our desire. At the beginning of each year, we ask that the Lord would just speak to us in a special and mighty way. So this morning, uh, I wanted to use our time together to refresh our memory uh, on the spiritual gift, uh, spiritual discipline of, of, of fasting. For many of us, this is something that we have heard before, something we know, but we can still be reminded and encouraged to pursue Jesus through this gift of fasting. But beloved, even last week when I think about it, as I look out over the congregation and I see so many new faces, I don't want to take for granted that everyone knows what biblical fasting is. Because we may know what the, what the world expects of fasting, the world expects that when you fast that you are not eating or, or drinking something because you're about to have a surgery. Or you're not eating or drinking something because you're getting ready to, to go on a, some type of diet. Or, or, or if you, you're not eating or drinking something uh, for some particular health purposes. Uh, and and that, I mean, that's good. That's fine. But, but understand Worldly fasting and biblical fasting are two different things with two different motives in mind. Biblical fasting is the voluntary abstinence from food uh, for spiritual purposes. The specific biblical meaning of a fast is the abstinence of food for some type of spiritual purpose. In his book, A Hunger for God, John Piper says, Christian fasting is a hunger for all the fullness of God aroused by the aroma of Jesus' love and by the taste of God's goodness in the gospel of Christ. So as we're fasting, we're thinking about, we're thinking about how good Jesus is and how wonderful he, 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 uh, his word tastes within our mouths. We're thinking about all the, the many wonderful blessings that comes down from, from God. And as we enter into this season, this season of fast is not about you and it's not about me really at the end of the day. So we don't have to worry about coming in with, 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 with sunk faces or coming in with a posture and, and Facebooking and Instagramming, telling everybody that we're on a fast because it's really not about you and it's really not about me. The Christian fast is, is, is not a diet particularly. There may be some, some benefits from it, but also, family, a, a Christian fast is not a symbol of spiritual elitism. It's not, it's not just for them super Christians. Fasting is for every Christian. I'll say that again. Fasting is for every Christian. Matthew 6, we're going to get there uh, in our study of the Gospel of Matthew, but Jesus is talking to his disciples, and he, he doesn't say, and if you fast, he says, and when you fast. It's just part of the Christian life. It's for every Christian. It's not just for the super Christians, but then it's not a, a sense of, of, of religious piety to make you feel like you're superior than everyone else because you can hold off eating that chicken longer than they could. It's not about that at all. Christian fast is not a means to gain 
God's acceptance or to make God move on your behalf and give you the things you want. Beloved, Christian fasting is about making Jesus the center of your appetite. Matthew 5 and 6, those who hunger and thirst for righteousness shall be satisfied. Christian fasting is is an attempt to, to discipline our bodies as such that we are intentionally seeking out the goodness of God, that our affections and that our appetites will be turned from this world. Did you know that, that this world has a hold on you? This world has a hold on your affections. No matter how much, you, it has a hold on your affections, it has a hold on your appetites, and every now and then, we just got to steal away and to ask the Lord to turn us back in the right direction. So we want to corporately spend time in te- intentionally seeking Jesus that our hunger and thirst for righteousness may grow. We want to hear from God. We want to hear what he has to say. We want to be quiet for a moment. Some, sometimes we talk too much to hear God speaking. We, we, we want to just hush our spirits, hush our souls so we can hear from God. We want to be sensitive to the leading and the guiding and the directing of the Holy Spirit in our lives. We want to hear from God, but then also we want to be filled by God. Only he can fill us up with that which really satisfies. Everything else that the world has to offer is just a temporary satisfaction. We have that God-sized hole in our hearts that, that nothing can satisfy, that nothing else can fill except God himself. We can, we can look to the world for satisfaction. We can look to our friends and our families. We can look to all type of material things. We can look to money and relationships. You can look to drugs. You can look to every sort uh, of thing under the the, the world for satisfaction, but nothing and no one satisfies like Jesus. So we want this biblical fast to create a sense of a desperate yearning for the Lord. That we just want to pursue him. So really, when you think about it, Christian fasting is, is, is what you can call addition by subtraction. By taking away something that, that you enjoy, that you like. So don't, so, don't, so don't talk about I'm fasting from fried gizzards, and you don't even like fried gizzards. Now, I love me some fried gizzards now. I'm old school. But, it, but you know, don't, don't, don't talk about uh, I'm fasting from, from tofu. And you don't even think about things that you enjoy. Think about that fried chicken. One of them old school fried bologna sandwiches, you know, with the bubble in the middle. You got to put the slice on the side. You know, those, those things we like. Why? Because when we, when we take those things away, uh, even for a moment, they're not bad things. It's the good things. When you take them away for a moment, when your body begins to hunger and, and, and crave and thirst those things, that is an a, a automatic alarm clock that, that should point you to, back to prayer. That's why we don't want to enter into a season of corporate fasting lightly or aimlessly. 
I think that's where a lot of us get in trouble with fasting. We just fast to fast, but we really don't have no point. You want to spend some time with the Lord, seeking him. Lord, where do you want me to move? What do you, what do you want me to see? What do you want me to hear? How can I experience you in a deeper and fuller way? And you, and you want to sit down and, and, and come up with a plan between you and the Lord about what, what this corporate fast is going to look like. What you will eat, what you won't eat, what you will watch, what you won't watch. This is, the, this is what we want to do with the Lord. So we need a little subtraction in order to have addition. See, but here's the thing. If it was just that easy, everybody would fast, wouldn't they? But we need discipline to do it. Discipline. The Christian life is a disciplined life. The Christian life is not just a life where you say, yes, I'm saved, but you have no discipline. You can't control yourself. You can't, you can't even obey God's commandments to you, those plain commandments. When you think about discipline, don't we all been in the stores and we, 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 we've seen that child. With that parent, the child just out of control, off the hook, spinning around on the floor in the middle of the aisle. Now, some of us, we like, don't say that too loud. That was my kid just the other day. I, I, I ain't hating on you, but I'm saying we, we've seen it. And, we, and, and the first thing we say in our minds, that child is out of control. They must not have any discipline. Beloved, when your friends and family look at your life, where they say, oh, they out of control, they must not have any discipline. The Christian life is a disciplined life. We have to pursue and press. It's not in our own strength. It's by God's grace completely. It is him working through us, but we still need to be focused. We can't just be distracted by all of life doing whatever we want and expect God to grow us from the inside out. This is exactly what Paul is talking about with Timothy here in the text. See, Paul knows that Timothy, as a, as, as a new pastor, he needs to have a disciplined life if he's going to accomplish all that God wants him to accomplish in this particular congregation. But not only does, God, does Paul speak this to Timothy, God is using this text to remind us that as we are living a Christian life, we need some discipline. Paul knows that Timothy will need spiritual training because they will need strength to fight against this world, their flesh, and Satan. You know how the saying goes, no pain, no gain. You can talk about getting a summer body. You can talk about you're going to get in that swimsuit this year. You can talk about my biceps are going to be bulging. But if you don't get in the gym and do something about it, there will be no results in your life. Beloved, you could talk about being delivered from that sin. 
You can talk about the strongholds that's on your family that you're just tired of, uh, of having. You can talk about those yokes of bondage that's been hanging around your neck and what you're going to do when you get over. But if you don't show up in your spiritual weight room every single morning, then you'll never accomplish that which what God has called you to accomplish. The reason why there is a sense of weakness and a sense of lack, there's this uh, apathy and lack of desire in the Christian life is because we ain't working out. We need discipline. Specifically, look, look, look here at verses 7 and 8. This is the focus right here and the focus of our time. Paul says to Timothy, he says, have nothing to do with irreverent, silly myths. Rather, train yourself for godliness. What is Paul saying? He's saying, stop wasting your time with everybody else talking about. Stop wasting your time talking about what happened on uh, Love and Hip Hop last week. Stop wasting your time talking about the housewives of Atlanta. Stop wasting your time watching every single sport all Saturday uh, morning and evening. He's saying, stop wasting your time listening to all the talk shows, listening to the view, listening to, I ain't trying to hate that bad. I'm just saying, we can get, we can get uh, out of whack listening to all the noise that's around us. It's a whole lot of noise going on. It's noise on your radio. It's noise in, uh, in the magazines as you are checking out in the, li- in the line. Who cares if, 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 if J-Lo got a new boo? I don't care, but, but we can get so distracted by all the noise going around us that we're not focused on the main thing. Paul says, Timothy, don't forget about the main thing. Have nothing to do with irreverent, silly myths, those things that won't contribute any good, uh, any good uh, work to your salvation and your Christian growth. But other than as Christians, sometimes we just got to stop wasting our time. Think about your sphere of influence. Are the, are the people in your circle, do they actually encourage you to godliness or do they encourage you in worldliness? This is why the text of Scripture uh, talks about do not be unequally yoked with unbelievers. We talk about that text in, in, in the sense of marriage, but really it's talking about those who are the closest to you. Who do you tell all your secrets to? Who are you most vulnerable with? Who are you most transparent with? Who, who can speak a word into your life that you will actually listen to their counsel in turn? If, if those folks don't know Jesus, then you ain't you listening to nothing but irreverent, silly myths, and you're wasting your time. I'm sorry about just talking about your best friend. Now, but I'm gonna pull it. But I'm not sorry. I'm for real. Do not surround yourself with people in those in those close spaces who don't know Jesus, because your mind and your heart's gonna be filled with irreverent and silly myths. Really, as 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 Timothy is talking to, uh, uh, as Paul is talking to Timothy, in order to instruct the church. These wouldn't have just been regular folks. These would have been some church folks in here. Those people who have a form of religion, but they actually don't know Jesus. He's talking about, don't listen to those folks who act like they know Jesus, who, who talk like they know Jesus, 
who look like they know Jesus. He says, no, listen to the folks who really know Jesus. Those myths about how you're supposed to come into church. Those myths about you always need to have X, Y, and Z on. And you shouldn't wear this and you shouldn't say that. And all these myths, who, who came up with that? These, these legalistic requirements that, that, that people place on one another when they come up in the church to try to determine who's really saved. He's saying, he says, Timothy, don't, don't put up with that. Don't waste your time trying to make everybody else think you saved. Just be saved. That's what he's saying. He says, rather, train yourself for godliness. You know, godliness don't just come. You don't get saved and then the next day every single temptation that you had just kind of fall away, does it? Some things may fall away. Some things should fall away. Because if ain't nothing changed since you were saved, I don't know. But there's still going to be temptation and struggles. And that's why he says you need to train yourself on what it looks like to be Christ-like. You have to pursue conformity to Jesus Christ. And the an example that he has given us through his word, we are to pursue righteousness. We are not just to, to sit home and lazily expect to become godly through osmosis. Because you sleep with the Bible under your pillow don't mean you know nothing about Scripture. I'm sorry. Just meddling today. Let me get out of here. Somebody kicked me in my ankle. Two things here that I just want us to see from these two scriptures. Spiritual discipline guards and guides the Christian life. Spiritual discipline guards and guides the Christian life. And from the text, what, what I was looking at at the text is that spiritual discipline, it guards against demonic influence. Demonic influence. Where do you think silly, irreverent myths come from? If it's false... If it's not true, then it's from Satan. He is the author of all lies, and he is spreading his word. So if we hear something that is false and contrary to the scriptures, that is a word from Satan. That is demonic. How do you know, preacher, when verse 1 in the text, in the fourth chapter, he says, Now the Spirit ex expressly says that in latter times, what are the latter times? The times after Christ is after Jesus' ascension into heaven, latter times. Beloved, we are in the latter times. So I'm just going to change it up with the, the bishop translation. And the Spirit says expressly in y'all's times right now, some will depart from the faith by devoting themselves to deceitful spirits, and teaching of demons through the, through the insincerity of liars whose consciences are seared, who forbid marriage and require abstinence from foods that God created to be received with thanksgiving by those who believe and know the truth. For everything created by God is good and nothing is to be rejected if it is received with thanksgiving. For if it is made holy by the word of God, 
for it is made holy by the word of God and prayer. He's talking about when people come, come whispering in your ear who really don't know Jesus, but they're trying to teach you how to live, you better watch out because they're speaking demonic truths. You know, what you, what you really need to do is X, Y, and Z. And you should say this, and you, you sh- oh, you shouldn't do that, and you shouldn't do this. And I like how he says, and, and who forbid marriage and, and require abstinence from foods. You shouldn't be eating that. You know y'all shouldn't be eating that pork, eating that swine. God said if I give thanks for it, it's good. But when people just get in your ear and it begin to speak. When you are pursuing spiritual disciplines by pursuing Jesus, he gives you a cover and a guard. He will, uh, uh, Romans 12, he will, he will give you an understanding. Or he will renew your mind in such a way that when people come talking like the world, when, 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 they, when, they, when they begin to speak, with that, with that forked tongue of Satan in your ear, you will be able to recognize, no, that ain't true. That ain't true. You know you need to speak in tongues to be saved. That ain't true. You know if you was baptized when you was little, you, once saved, always saved. That ain't true. You know all you need to do is go to church and, and to be a good person. That ain't true. Because you yourself have been pursuing Jesus in such a way, you've been disciplining yourself to understand the word of God. So when they come talking their talk, you're able to say, no, nah, that ain't right. And even better than that, here, let me show you. You want to sit down? You ain't got to argue with nobody. You ain't got to get in no spiritual argument, no debate where you mad at them and they mad at you. You ain't got to do that. You just speak the word of God. You, you ain't got to defend a lion, do you? You just let the lion out the cage, and he does all the work by himself. You just let the word go. But guess what? You can't let the word go if you ain't got the word in here, though. How do you memorize scripture? Discipline. Discipline. So spiritual discipline guards us, but then it also guides us. Here in verse 8, he says, for while bodily training is of some value. He's saying it's good to work out. It's good to eat healthy, it's good to jog, it's, it's good to do those things that make your body feel good, look good, work good. But he's saying there's something else that's actually more important, though. For while bodily training is of some value, godliness is of value in every way. As it holds promise for the present life and also for the life to come. He's saying, he's saying, uh, uh, pursuit of godliness helps you now and later. Spiritual discipline guides us to glory. Because spiritual discipline, if you, if you are walking uh, according to, to God's desire, he will, he will teach you which way to go. He will tell you when you need to make a left and when you need to make a right. He will tell you when to close your mouth and when to speak up. He will tell you when, when, when your attitude ain't right for the situation. He, he will teach and train you because the word is in you and you're, and you're connected with him in prayer. And you just doing John 15, you have abided yourself in Christ. So you are attached to the vine. So when you are, when you are led through life by Jesus, he is guiding you right now. He is guiding you to make right decisions. 
Beloved, you know we're good to make some bad decisions. Oh, we got so much brokenness, so much debt, so much despair because we made some uh, bad decisions. We made them impetuous, them, those, those, those quick decisions. We ain't, we ain't talked to nobody. We ain't prayed about it. We ain't looked for help. We just decided we was going to do it. And then on the other side, our decision affected us and everybody else in our family, our friends down the street because of what decision we made. But if we're connected to the vine, we know that whether I eat or drink or whatever I do, do all to the glory of God. Will God be pleased in this? Would Jesus be pleased in this? Do I have Christian people around me, connected to me, to help guide me? And what happens is you begin, you, you, you may have once lived a life full of bad habits, but when you follow the Spirit's leading, he will begin to create good habits in your life. And as he is creating those good habits, he is leading you down the path of righteousness for his name's sake. He is leading you right into glory. That's, what, that's why the text says it is good for this present life, but also for the life to come. Beloved, your choices in this life affects your eternity. We can, we can play, keep playing with God and keep playing church and deciding that, well, I, I'm not really ready to surrender my life to Jesus. I'm not really ready to, to let all this go. Or I'm still just having fun. But, but there comes a point in your life that, that the text of Scripture says that it's appointed unto man to die once and then the judgment. And what is the judgment based on? The judgment is based on whether you chose Christ as your Savior or not. If you have not, have, have not trusted Christ as your Savior, then you will be content, condemned into hell. Depart from me, for I never knew you, you worker of iniquity. So spiritual discipline, it, it guards us and it guides the Christian life, but ultimately spiritual discipline glorifies God. It glorifies God. Because day by day, as we are disciplining our bodies and we're training for godliness, he, uh, the Lord is, he, he is renewing our affections for Jesus day by day. Beloved, have you ever been through a season where you just felt far from God? If you're honest with yourself, what's the first thing that falls away? Prayer, Scripture, and the fellowship of believers. If we, if we want to turn the ship, to move from spiritual dryness, to place ourselves under the fountain of grace, then we need to pursue Jesus daily through our spiritual disciplines. We have to discipline our bodies. But not only is God glorified because our affections are being renewed day by day, but God is glorified because when we, when we practice our spiritual disciplines, then we are actually destroying idols in our own lives. Specifically, when it comes to fasting, when we, when we uh, enter into a season of fasting, we are fighting against the idol of comfort. It's easy just to do what you've always done every single day of the week. I wake up at this time. I fix my lunch at this time. I have a peanut butter and jelly sandwich every single day. But when you fast, you actually got to give some thought to your life, right? You have to pause and you say, Lord, 
Now, 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 this is what we talked about, and, and, and this is what we're going to do, and, and it's going to be hard, and it's not going to be fun, and there's going to be times where I got a caffeine headache, and there's going to be times where I just want some sugar in my diet, and I really want that Diet Coke right now, and, and there's going to be times where we're going to have to fight. It's not comfortable, but beloved, it's not comfortable being a Christian. It was not comfortable being on Calvary's cross. We just want to be comfortable. No, really. I, I'm not trying to put you on front because it's, a, it's an individual choice. My, my prayer is that you have the right motivation. If you have chosen not to join us in this season of corporate fasting, I would just ask you why. Like, why not? Because I ain't going to be able to eat pizza on Friday. Ah, comfort. Because this, because of that. Like, like, why not? Is it that idol of comfort has so taken over our bodies that we can't turn for 21 days to pursue Jesus with reckless abandonment? Is that TV show that good that you can't give it up for 21 days? Is that, is, is that song, is that art, is, this, is, that, is it that good? You may be battling with the idol of comfort. I can't fast. Now, there's legitimate reasons that everybody shouldn't fast. There's legitimate medical reasons. There's, I mean, there are just legitimate reasons. I would not um, encourage everyone to fast from food, but I would encourage everyone to fast from something. You may not fast from food, but may, maybe you can fast from Facebook. Maybe you can fast from uh, 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 playing on the Internet at work. Maybe you could fast from, uh, you, you know, from, from that particular TV show. There, there's, there's things that we can do. You know what you like. I ain't got to tell you what you You know what you like. Maybe you need to enter into a season where you just want more of Jesus than you want that stuff. We need spiritual discipline to train ourselves for godliness. That's that's. That, that's Paul's whole point in the text. If you're going to live the Christian life in this world, you can't be weak. You have to have some strength. And if you're going to be a witness for Jesus Christ, you can't be on the ground, uh, uh, balled up, curled up because of what's going on around you. If you're going to be a witness, you have to stand up sometimes and be a witness. That's what he's calling us to. So when, as I'm talking about spiritual disciplines, there's a couple of different things I want you to think about. These are gifts that the Lord has given us in order to be trained in the godliness. The Lord has given us scripture intake. That's simply Bible reading. We can Scripture intake takes place through Bible reading, through the preached word, meditation, on God's word, the that's a spiritual discipline. Now, reading your Bible is a spiritual discipline. We discipline and train ourselves for godliness through spending significant time in prayer with the Lord. Now, significant depends on you. You start where you are. If, 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 if you don't pray at all now, start spending five minutes in prayer. That's going to that's gonna feel significant to you. 
But if you already spent five minutes, try spending 10 minutes. If you already spent 10 minutes, try spending 15 minutes. Spend time in prayer with the Lord. Corporate worship. This is a spiritual discipline. Getting up Sunday after Sunday. In spite of what's going on or what has happened, and, and communing and coming together to worship with the people of God. That's a spiritual discipline. Evangelizing is a spiritual discipline. Serving others is a spiritual discipline. Giving is a spiritual discipline. But then, I, then lastly, I'm just going to end right here and focus on this aspect of spiritual disciplines. Fasting is a spiritual discipline. This is a spiritual discipline that impacts us three ways. Christian fasting is a spiritual discipline that expresses a deeply personal desire for inner transformation by Jesus. See, in Matthew 6, where Jesus does say that when you fast, he's talking to his disciples, but specifically, he's talking about how the Pharisees have abused the spiritual disciplines to make it look like they're good, but just on the outside. They're, they're, they're praying, they're fasting, and they're giving so other people can look at them and say, oh, aren't they just so spiritual? But Jesus says, don't be like them who worry about what they look like on the outside. If you're going to come to me and fast and exercise these spiritual disciplines, you do that because you're concerned about what's on your inside. So during our fast, we shouldn't just be asking God to change things around us, but we should be asking God that he would also change things in us. Lord, change my heart, change my attitude. Change my thoughts. We have been so bombarded by sin. It's like, take, it's like taking a white shirt and just soaking it in, 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 some, in some red Kool-Aid over, overnight and pulling it out. That, and that thing's going to be completely red, right? And just because you pulled the shirt out, the effects won't have the same effects, but you still need to do something with that shirt. So, the, so though we've been pulled out of this world, we, there's still some work that needs to be done on our souls and our hearts to, to make sure we're pointing towards Christ. And, and he needs to continually wash us and clean us. This is the sanctification process. He is, he is shaping us and conforming us to look more like Jesus. And don't you know that Jesus wears a white robe? So not only is... Christian fasting, a discipline for inner transformation. Christian fasting is a spiritual discipline that expresses a deeply personal desire to be satisfied by Jesus alone. When we fast, we're saying, you know what? Nothing else really satisfies like Jesus. And I'm willing to give up some things in order to be reminded just how good he is. Christian fasting should help train you to want more than this world has to offer. When you settle for anything other than Christ, you're settling for less. But then lastly, Christian fasting is a spiritual discipline that expresses a deeply personal desire for the return of Jesus. In Matthew, the ninth chapter, Jesus and his disciples are talking and they're asking Jesus' disciples, why don't you fast like everybody else? And Jesus says, why would they fast when the bridegroom is here? There'll, there'll be time to fast when I'm away. 
when, when Jesus is physically present with the disciples, they ain't got to worry about fasting because he's the gift. But when Jesus is away, they, 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 they take part in the fast to remind themselves that, that, that the fullness really comes from Jesus. And the fullness may not be here right now, but the fullness is coming. And I'm looking to Jesus. Fasting helps us to look to Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, and to be reminded that my stomach will never be satisfied with what this world has to offer, but I'm ready to wait. I'm willing to wait. I'm willing to persevere. I'm willing to push. I'm willing to press because I'm, I know my Jesus is coming back. Christian fasting is another way of saying, Maranatha, come Lord now. Come Lord now. Because only you can truly satisfy my palate. Beloved, would you notice, those that even if you are pursuing a disciplined life, you will fall and you will fail. Even when you do, fall and when you fail, continue to look to the one who is perfectly disciplined. When you fail, continue to look to the one who perfectly knew the scriptures already. When you fall, continue to look to the one who perfectly stole away and prayed with his father. When you fall, continue to look to the one who perfectly demonstrated a life free from sin. And when you fail, continue to look to the one who perfectly carried your sin and my sins to Calvary's cross. When you fail, continue to look to Jesus, our sustainer, our creator, and our master. Look to Jesus remembering it was the perfectly disciplined blood of Jesus that provided salvation for you and for me. Beloved, ultimately, spiritual discipline is the Christian demonstrating a desire for more of Jesus. So really, the, the question at the end of the day with any spiritual discipline, any spiritual discipline, at the end of the day, the question is, do you want Jesus today? When you wake up and you begin to wage war against Satan, whether or not you pursue Jesus through your spiritual disciplines really depends on how you feel about that question. Do you want Jesus today? If you think you're straight and you don't need Jesus today and that you, that you can hold it all together, then go ahead, get up. Don't pray. Don't read your scriptures. Just go to work. Don't pray in your car. Don't pray over your food. Don't think about Jesus. Don't, don't quote a scripture. You just, you just be a practical atheist then. But if you wake up and you say, I do want Jesus today, then you have to be disciplined. And you spend time in prayer. And you spend time in the Word. And you spend time with other believers. Because it's through pursuing Jesus through these spiritual disciplines that we will truly be satisfied with his righteousness. But beloved, satisfaction only begins when you have a relationship with Jesus Christ. 
Satisfaction would never come to you until you know Jesus as your Lord and Savior. Satisfaction would never come until Jesus plugs up that God-sized hole in your heart and he begins to fill you with his spirit. If there's never been a time in your life where you submitted to Jesus Christ and you said, you know what, I am a sinner and I have been living for myself and I have been disobedient to God's word, but, but I hear the spirit drawing me and calling me today saying it's time for a change, then today is the day of salvation. Then you repent, you turn from your sin, and by saying, Lord, I'm sorry for, for being disobedient, for rebelling against you. Would you please forgive me? Would you please save me? And I believe you are who you said you are. And you accomplish what you said you accomplished. You are the way, the truth, and the life. Please save me today. Or you may be here, you may be a follower of Christ, but, but, but you've just been battling with that idol of comfort all your life. You're just so comfortable in your walk that you, that you don't do anything extra. My prayer is that the Lord would just burden your heart to surrender what you believe to be comfort, that you may be able to feast with him in this life. Beloved, today is the day of salvation. Do you want Jesus today? Let us pray. Lord God, thank you for your word, for your power, and for your might. I do ask you to bless us and to keep us, to make your word real within our hearts, and that you will cause us to love you, love you like never before. Father, I ask that you will consecrate us as a church, that you will bring refreshment, reflection, and revival but ultimately that each one of us will be more devoted to you day by day by surrendering to the leading and guiding of your Holy Spirit. Heavenly Father, for the one who is struggling in their sin, please provide deliverance that they would come running asking what must they do to be saved. Lord, we love you and we thank you. In Jesus' name we do pray. Amen.